0: started last week talking to you about handling tough times, so we want to continue that today. So would you just take your Bible this morning, turn to the book of Matthew, the first chapter. Let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever had a tough time? If your neighbor did not raise their hand, reach over and ask them for a loan of about a million dollars because they must be loaded and not having any trouble. I think all of us have experienced tough times, and so as we begin to approach this season... I began to look at how we could take this, this story that we are so familiar with, the story of the birth of Jesus, and how that we could take that and, and apply it to our lives. So last week we looked at the whole process of how that you handle loneliness uh, when you're going through a situation in your life, and, and we looked at the, uh, the life of Elizabeth and Zacharias last week, and hopefully you gained some insight. This week we're going to continue this subject. We're going to look in the book of Matthew, the first chapter. So would you turn there this morning? And as you're doing that, let me welcome the campuses today that are joining with us. I am believing today that the word of God that is preached, the Bible says it will not return void. And so that as it's preached here and you're viewing it there, that God's going to speak into your life and into your spirit this morning and transformation is going to take place the book of matthew the first chapter beginning in the 18th verse says now the birth of jesus christ was as follows after his mother mary was betrothed to joseph before they came together she was found (coughs) pardon me she was found with child of the holy spirit everybody says she was pregnant You know, we dress things up scripturally sometimes. She was pregnant. Then, Job, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her way secretly. Now, put yourself for just a moment in this story. One of the issues is is that all of us have a tendency to know the end of the story, so we immediately go to the end of the story, but Joseph doesn't know the end of the story. Joseph hasn't lived the whole process of what's getting ready to happen. All that Joseph knows is that he is betrothed to a woman. That betrothal is stronger than engagement. We get engaged in America, but uh, how many of you know that those engagements don't always wind up being marriages? I went to college with a guy, and I think he was engaged during college at least four times. We, we, uh, we just figured he had a really good layaway plan down at the local jewelry store. We, we, we weren't real sure about what he was up to. But, uh, but, but the word betrothal literally means a, a marriage already in, in the sense of what is going to take place uh, although they are not living together at this point, this was a scenario where in that day and age, uh, the husband uh, would go and prepare a place, build a, build a house, so that when he got married, his wife would have a place to stay. And so this is the, the setting that we're reading here. And, and so Joseph uh, goes one day, and, and uh, he, he's, he's kind of noticed over the past few weeks that Mary is, is putting on a little weight. And he just thinks that, well, you know, she's getting ready to get married, and she's excited, so she's just eating more. Come on, it's my sermon. I'm going to preach it the way I want to. <laughs> don't care if you like it or not. And, and finally, he, you know, takes note, and they have a discussion at some level. We don't know what the discussion was, but at some level, they have this discussion, and she says, uh, uh, Joseph, I've got something I've got to tell you and uh, he says okay what is she says well you might want to sit down now anytime they tell you you might want to sit down or somebody calls you and says are you sitting down if you are not go ahead because it's not the kind of news you're looking forward to and 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 Joseph says okay I'm sitting now what is it she says well uh, I've got something to tell you and here's what it is she says I'm pregnant but it's okay Now, the Scripture's quite clear that Joseph and her had had no sexual relationships, so Joseph is sitting there going, it may be okay for you. But somewhere in here, there's a disconnect. I have honored you. I have been faithful to you. I have done those things that I should as a godly man toward his wife, and yet you are telling me that you are pregnant, but you're telling me that it's, everything's okay. And then she compounds the problem. By saying it's all right, I'm pregnant, but it's by the Holy Spirit. Now, when you start dressing up your sin and and putting the anointing on it you're in some serious trouble and and so Joseph goes, okay i I, I, I thought she was the one, but there's something seriously going wrong in her mind I, I've got to figure this out and so we, we see something beginning to happen. I mean, the, can, can you imagine a greater thing to happen uh, in, a, in a man's life than to be betrayed by the one that he's getting ready to marry in that manner? And, and so what, what we want to talk about today is how do you deal with betrayal? Let, let me ask this question. How many of you who are here and those of you who are watching as well, how many of you have ever been betrayed? Would you lift your hands up? If if you if you didn't lift your hand up you didn't hear the question. I mean, I don't know anybody that hasn't been betrayed at some level. Somebody has betrayed you. Somebody has done you wrong. You know, we could sing another somebody done somebody wrong song for all of us. I mean, everybody has experienced pain. Everybody has experienced betrayal at some level or the other. Maybe it was a betrayal of the person, uh, as in Joseph's case, that you had set your heart on, thought you were going to marry, and all of a sudden something happened, and, and, you know, they they left you standing at the altar, so to say. Uh, You know, whatever it was, maybe, it was the the business that you invested your life in and your energy in and all of a sudden the new boss shows up and and your job is cut in a moment and you feel the sense of betrayal maybe it's even in the kingdom of God maybe it's even in the church that you go to or have gone to Something happened, something took place that you felt as though you were being betrayed and you said, you know, this, this is just not what I signed up for. And, and, and so Joseph is dealing with it. Joseph is going through all of these emotions that are, are normal when betrayal comes in. Let, let me just show you some things about betrayal. The, the first thing about betrayal is this. Betrayal always comes at a critical time in your life. What I found about betrayal is is that betrayal always happens at, at, at just, it, it's one of those times of life where we're getting ready to move into a new season. Something's getting ready to happen in the, in the family or in the business or in the church, and all of a sudden there's this betrayal that takes place. And We go, man, well, it, it couldn't have happened at a worse time. And and the reason is, is because the enemy knows that if he can get you sidetracked at the moment that God is getting ready to propel you into the next place, that he will steal what God is going to do in your life. See, here's the deal. God knows the beginning from the end the devil does not but the devil has been doing this long enough to sense when god is getting ready to promote you he can know when god is getting ready to take you to the next level and so what happens is is in those moments the devil shows up in your life with a temptation with a destructive nature that either someone betrays you or causes you to betray and before god can take you to that next place betrayal sets in at that critical juncture and you go wait a minute what just happened around here and if you don't bear witness to that you haven't lived very long because as you look back at your life you say man why did that happen then why why did that take place right at that moment and and the the next aspect of betrayal is this betrayal is always from those we trust if i don't trust you you can't betray me right I mean, if, if, I don't, if I don't have faith in you, whatever you say doesn't matter. You, you know, there, there's a lot of names that go with betrayal in history. Uh, you know, Judas Iscariot's a pretty good betrayer, right? Uh, in, in history, if, if you look at the historical nature of our country, the, the name Benedict Arnold. Is, is a, a pretty good name. That's a that's a betrayal. Uh, if if in in this day and age in which we live, if if you're a Cleveland fan, uh, the name LeBron James. Sorry. Um, is is. <laughs> anyway, I'm stay out of basketball for a minute. But uh, the, the, you know, there's there's these names that are associated with betrayal. And and what we found is is that you 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 are betrayed by those you trust. And so the quicker you understand that, the better off you are. Our problem is, is that w- w- here's what we do. When we get betrayed by somebody we trust, we say, I'll never let that happen again. Amen. I'll never go through that pain again. I'll, I'll never do that again. It, it will ne- I, I can remember through the years of pastoring. And, and I want to tell you, by and large, pastoring, I, I have a passion for it. It's what God's called me to do. And, and it, is, it, it is the greatest occupation that I think God could have called me to do. Uh, but there are those moments. You know, it's, it's not all about just standing up here and talking to you for a few minutes on a Sunday or a Wednesday uh, and, you know, going home and, you know, eating fried chicken there's more to it than that and and the one thing that i found through the years and and still to this day the the one thing that that hurts the worst for a pastor is when you go through the situation of pouring your life out to people and then they just walk away and and, and after i can remember years ago when in, in early in my pastoring um Sherry and I had gotten really involved with a couple, and, and they'd come into our church, and we just saw great potential in them. Great, uh, we just felt God had, a, had His hand on them, and I still believe that He did. And so we just, man, we poured energy and life into them, and and uh, we had them in our home, and and uh, we gave them. They they were struggling, so even at times we gave them money out of our own pocket. And and then one day I I, I didn't see him at church, and I said, where and I name? I said, where's so and so. And they said, oh, they've left the church. I said, they've left the church. I said, why? Why would they leave the church? They said, well, you, you, you just didn't give them enough. You, you just didn't spend enough time with them. And I went, are you kidding? I mean, these, I had spent more time with this couple. Sharon and I had given more to them uh, naturally as well as spiritually than probably any other couple in the church. And, 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 and I, you know what I said at that moment? I probably can't tell you what I said at that moment. But I'll dress it up. I I, th- I thought, you know what? I'll never do that again. I I'll never put myself out for anybody else. I'll preach. I'll I'll do what Jesus is making me do. <laughs> As you know, I don't want to be at the end a castaway Paul talks about, so I'll I'll preach, but bless God, I'm not gonna let anybody get close to me again because it hurts too much. And yet what I found out in the next several months is that as I tried to close myself off to keep the pain away, what I did was I also kept the joy away. I kept the fulfillment away. I kept away everything that God was trying to do in my life by closing myself in. And so what I determined at that point is, you know what? Uh, th- there are going to be people who are going to wound me. There are going to be people who are going to betray you. There are going to be all these things that are going to happen, but you've got to come to that place of saying, I refuse to allow this to dictate what my life looks like. But, but you've got to understand, betrayal feels like the worst hurt of all I mean when when you have really invested yourself in a situation or a person or a business or whatever it is when when betrayal happens at that moment there is nothing that feels any worse and and I'll tell you what when it happens shock and anger is normal a response at that moment I mean you, you just you went I can't believe it am I the only one I can't believe that happened and then you get mad If you don't get mad, something's wrong with you. I mean, you just, you just say, Psh, I'll show them. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go out of my way. I'm going to make their life, uh, you know, miserable. I'm going to do everything I can to pay them back. I'll, they walk out on me. I'll show them. And yet, if we really are going to move through the process, we can't react that way. When you study the life of Joseph, now I want to tell you something. We read this scripture, and, and you're all sitting there going, yeah, but the angel showed up. Yeah, but, but I don't believe Joseph found out about it in the morning, and the angel showed up that night. Because that's never the way God works. How many of you have found out that, that any time you've got a need in your life, God doesn't show up early? Am I the only one? You know, we, we have this great saying we use in the church, the Lord's never early, He's never late, He's just always on time. I want to tell you, every once in a while, I think He's late. <laughs> I just went, come on, God, you, if, if you were going to show up, yesterday would have been a whole lot better than today. Amen. Right? And, and so I think Joseph had a season there. We don't know how long. And again, it's my sermon, so I'll preach it the way to him. I want to. I, I think he had a, a span of time there, and he's, he's trying to figure out, now, what do I do? And, and he says, well, I, I got some ideas. You know, uh, I can marry her, even though the baby's not mine, but I can go ahead and we get married, and nobody will know what happened, and it will be Okay. And he said, no, nah, I don't think I want to do that because I'm not sure if I trust her. And then he says, well, uh, in, in my society, I can just publicly divorce her. I can go down to the gates of the city, call the elders together. I can say that she's uh, sinned, and I can put her away, and it'll be okay. And I'll walk out of this marriage, and everything will be fine. And my family and my, my reputation will be protected. But the Scripture says the third thing he did, he said, well, you know what I want? He said, I'm going to just have this marriage annulled Quietly quickly not let anybody know i'm going to protect her but but i'm going to get out of this and the word of god lets us know and we'll talk about this as we end this morning the word of god lets us know that god then shows up and begins to speak to him but but here's what joseph had to do and here's what you have to do if you are going to handle betrayal you have to forgive pastor we got to hear another one of those sermons yeah afraid so Pastor, why do we preach so much at Love and Truth Church about forgiveness? Because we all need it so much. And we all need to give it so much. Now, now here's what happens is is, is we we have excuses for why we don't want to forgive. Ever made an excuse not to forgive somebody? Can I give you some this morning that we use? Would would it be okay? Good, thank you. I'm going to. The, The first thing that we use is, well... The person who hurt me doesn't deserve forgiveness. Right? Come on. I mean, they, they hurt me. They, they wounded me. So they don't, they don't deserve forgiveness. But you know what, what you've got to find is, is, what is the true point of forgiveness? Is, is the true point of forgiveness uh, because somebody deserves it? Because let me read you a scripture, the book of Ephesians, the second chapter, verse 8 and 9 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Let me help you this morning. You didn't deserve forgiveness. You did not deserve the grace of God. You did not get to the place. I don't believe God has ever looked down from heaven and said oh that person has gotten so good I've got to forgive them. Doesn't work that way. You got forgiveness even when you didn't deserve it. So if I receive forgiveness when I don't deserve it from God Almighty then how can I not forgive somebody just simply because they quote unquote don't deserve it. The second reason that we don't want to forgive is we say, well, if I forgive, they get off free. Now, this, this works a lot in marriage. Because we know that we're going to forgive them, but we want to squeeze them for a while. I mean, it. You know, let let me help husbands. Anytime you have to ask your wife, what's wrong? And she replies, nothing, you're in deep. (laughs) It's all right. We come in. We are clueless. We come in. She's standing there peeling potatoes, whatever. What's wrong? She gives you that look like you are the biggest idiot that there has ever been. And she goes, nothing. I learned that's not the truth. I also learned it's better for me just to walk away and wait until we kind of get to a point that everything's going to be all right. But, but we do, and, and then men, men, men something happens, when, and we sulk for a week, you know. We walk around with our lip hanging out like a two-year-old. And she asks us what's wrong, and we pour it all out. <laughs> well, you know, you didn't, we, we go through all that. and it, It's just, see, here's the deal. When you choose to forgive somebody, what you do is is that you turn them over to the justice of God. People say, I can't believe you could forgive that. I can't believe you can't forgive that. Because when I release that person, then it's God's justice that's going to come into their life, not mine. The Bible says, vengeance is the Lord's. He will repay so I, I don't need to get in this vengeance business, in and, and this avenging angel thing. I, I just need to release people because when I release them, now the justice of God. And God's justice sometimes seems harsh, but God's justice always brings about restoration. Don't miss that. Your anger only fuels the fire. But when you release them, then God's justice comes in and God is able to begin to do a work in their life that will restore and bring everything back to the place that it needs to be. The book of 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. In other words, God's justice is going to take care of it. And so I've got to be willing to say, you know what? They're not just going to get all free. I'm not going to hold this. I choose to release them even if they've betrayed me greatly. Third excuse is, well, pastor, you've got to understand, I just can't forgive what was done. Maybe you started a business and you and a partner went into business together. Business got successful, things began to go well. Business was booming, a lot of money being made, and all of a sudden the partner stole the business from you. And every time you see them, you hate their guts. Every time you look at them, smoke comes out of your ears. Every time you pass by that business, anger sits in. And you say, I just can't forgive what they've done. I'm going to tell you, as long as you hold that over them, it's going to keep you tied to them. Now, I found out something years ago. If I really don't like somebody, I need to forgive them quicker. See, here's what forgiveness means, and please don't miss this. I may repeat it a couple of times so you get it. Forgiveness means I choose not to remember the betrayal against them. Can I say that again? Forgiveness means I choose not to. Now, hang on to this word here. I choose not to remember the betrayal against them. It's not that I don't remember the betrayal, but I don't remember, I don't hold it against them. People say, have you ever had somebody say, well, if you really forgave them, you would have forgotten it? No. Only God does that. God takes your sins and put them as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered against you ever again. He's the only one that can do that. If, if you do me wrong, I will eventually forgive you after a lot of conviction from the Lord. You know, I'll release it. I'll let it go. But if I see you, it's going to be in my mind. You know, to, to quote our famous last president, you know, and I'll try to mess it up as bad as he did, Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And that's the way a lot of us live. Well, you may mess over this time, but that's it. And yet what we have to do is, is that say, wait a minute. I have got to come to that place that I choose not to remember the betrayal against that person. All right? Then the next one is, is this. People say, well, Pastor, I can't forgive because my pain is too great. If you had to experience what I've experienced, if you've gone through what I'd gone through, If they'd done to you what they did to me, I I just, I can't do it. Let me tell you something about forgiveness. Forgiveness is an act of the will, not your emotions. It's not that I feel to forgive. It's I choose to forgive. Joseph, in this quandary, Had to come to that place of saying, I really feel like I've been abused and misused, but I choose to release her. I choose. I'll put her away secretly. I will do this quietly. I don't want her to be hurt. And so he chose, even though his pain was horrible and he was suffering, he said, I am not going to hold this against her. The book of Colossians, the third chapter, says, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long suffering, and then verse 13 it says bearing with one another and forgiving one another. I got great pain. Yeah. But you've got to forgive. You've got to release them. You've got to be willing. I'm telling you, as long as you hold on to the pain, as long as you hold on to the suffering, it will just continue to consume your life. You've got to come to that place of saying, I am moving away from this pain, and I am choosing to release that person. I don't feel like it today, but I'm choosing to release them. We often use this one. And boy, this is a doozy. Well, Pastor, you got to understand, the person never said they were sorry. You know, if they'd just tell me they were sorry, then I'd forgive them. Well, I, you know, we all would like to get that kind of response. But I'm going to tell you, your willingness to obey God is based on His Word not on somebody's actions. See, it's it's not because you came to me and said you're sorry that I forgive. It's because the Word of God tells me to forgive. And so I obey God based on His Word, not based on what you do or don't do. And I tell you, the quicker you get to that place of living life, the quicker you will walk in freedom. Because let me just help you. There are some people who will never, ever apologize for betraying you. There are some of us who are still waiting for a mom or a dad who walked out when we were three years old or five years old or ten years old. And we are waiting for them to show back up in our life and ask us to forgive them. I'm going to tell you, it may never happen but as long as you hang your hopes on that happening in your life, it will keep you at whatever age that that incident happened in your life. You've just got to come to that place and say, wait a minute, Luke 6 says this, love your enemies, do good, and land hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be the son's the Most High. I mean, mean, what else can you ask for when God says, look, if you'll just learn to be kind, if you'll learn to be merciful, I will bring about in your life great things. So look, I'm telling you, if you tell me, if you do something to me, if you betray me in some way, uh, I hope you come back and tell me you're sorry. If I betray you, I hope I do the same. But whether I do or you do, I've got to come to that place of saying, wait a minute, I am going to live my life with forgiveness I'm going to live day in and day out with forgiveness you know what that's the way Jesus lived do you realize how great our sin was against God and yet Jesus showed up to forgive you let me ask you a question how many of you today that are here or watching how many of you are believers today you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior now if you raised your hand I won't make you raise it again. But how many of you, since you became a believer, you've betrayed the Lord? Again, I would say 100% of us, oh, pastor, I've never walked out on God. I've never. Anytime we transgress his word, we betray him. Anytime we don't do what we should do, we betray him. And yet, You know what? I got up this morning and all the stuff that I did last week that was good and all the stuff I did last week that wasn't so good, it was all gone because His mercies are new every morning. And so I got up this morning. I came to the church and I didn't have to spend weeks for God to love me again and for me to get in right relationship with Him again. He just told me if I'll walk in the light as He is in the light, and I have fellowship one with the other, that the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth, present tense, cleanseth me from all sin. That's forgiveness. Now, if He will do that for me, surely I can do that for those who are like me. If the God who is infinite... Can forgive those of us who are finite why can't we forgive one another in fact the Bible says this it says if you come to the altar and while you're there you remember that there's a problem between you and somebody else it says leave your gift before the altar go and be reconciled to that person and then come and present your gift to God The Bible says, if you don't love men who you do see, how can you say you love God whom you can't see? Wow. See, when Joseph chose to forgive, if you've still got your Bible open in Matthew 1, let's read there. Look in verse 20. But while Joseph thought about these things, what things? The betrayal, the hurt, the heartache. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Watch this, and I close. When I choose to forgive someone who has betrayed me, then I open myself up for God's miracle power to show up on my behalf. Some of you are sitting here today, and some of you are listening today, and and you're saying, you know, uh, man, I don't know why I can't get freedom in this area of my life. I don't know why I can't. Could it be? I'm just asking a question. Could it be? that you're holding someone who betrayed you. And as long as you hold them, God can't bring a miracle into your life. But the moment you say, watch what Joseph said. He said, I'll release her. I'll put her away secretly. Then the angel showed up. When you forgive, I've heard it said for years in a sense, but it really is true. When you release what's in your hand, then God can release what's in his hand. When you release that person you've been holding on to, and you just say, God, I give them to you, then God's grace and his power and his anointing and his blessings are released from the throne room of heaven, and they come into your life to change you and to make you into what God wants you to be. So here's the deal. If you really want to handle the tough time of betrayal, you've got to be willing to release people, to forgive them, and to let them go so that God can bring His power into your life. Amen?